What is the state of privacy in 2014? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about privacy today with Trevor Hughes, President and CEO of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. Trevor, thanks so much for joining me today. Tom, it's good to be here with you. So, Trevor, January 28th is International Data Privacy Day. I've got to ask you to step back and just tell me, how do you assess the current state of data privacy as we honor it? I guess I have to use a, a literary reference here. I think it is the best of times and the worst of times. I think we are enjoying some of the greatest focus on the issue of privacy that we have seen uh, certainly in many decades and perhaps ever in human history. We are more aware of, we are more concerned about issues associated with privacy and investments, enormous investments are being made into managing privacy so that we meet not only the expectations of the law, but also the expectations of consumers and citizens. On the other hand, it's also the worst of times. I don't think we can look at the news today and say that privacy is, is the healthiest it has ever been. NSA disclosures, concerns associated with emerging technologies, concerns about the transition of data between the government and the private sector, these are weighing very heavily on society right now, and I think we are struggling as a society to figure out how to balance these issues and how appropriately to respond to them. Trevor, let's go with your analogy here and talk a bit about the worst of times. What are your biggest concerns about data privacy today? One of the greatest concerns I have with regards to privacy today is the public policy gap between the bleeding edge of technology and the leading edge of public policy. Put really simply, laws, regulations, self-regulatory standards, even social norms cannot keep up with the march of technology. We are trailing by many, many years, if not decades, behind what technology is doing with our data. And so in that public policy gap, that distance between what technology is doing with data and how our laws and regulations uh, guide privacy, we have a lot of risk. We have societal risk. Things happen that are unexpected and um, that we may not like. We have organizational risk. Companies get sued and fined. They find that their customers abandon them in that public policy gap. So my greatest concern isn't so much about the invasive nature of any particular technology or, or even the NSA issue that we see playing out in the media. Rather, it's, it's the difficulty that we're having right now in keeping up with Moore's Law and the march of technology and all of the things that are happening to our data today and in the future. Trevor, I want to come back and pick up on some of these themes in a few minutes, but I want to ask you first about the flip side of the worst of times, and let's talk about the best of times. Where do you see progress has been made regarding privacy in the past year? So really clearly, we have made real progress in many areas when it comes to privacy. Now, I, I can't say that we've made enormous progress on the public policy front. Uh, we see debates emerging around the world on how to, I guess, do a, a complete renovation of privacy law. And we can certainly talk about that. But one of the places that we've seen real progress is the evolution of privacy within organizations from a mere compliance function to a real programmatic management function. 
And in that way, we are seeing privacy um, permeate across the entire enterprise. That has meant that we have seen the development and adoption of really powerful tools like privacy impact assessments, data flow audits, data classification. We've seen metrics and measures emerge so that companies can understand how well they are doing against their stated goals with regards to privacy. Privacy has moved from being something that just lawyers talk about to something that every single person inside an organization who touches data should at least be thinking about, if not actively managing. Trevor, there's some specific topics I want to ask you about. And the first is the recent retail breaches that we've seen. Target, Neiman Marcus, Michaels potentially now. How do organizations need to anticipate and address the privacy impact of such breaches? So the first thing that we need to note is that these retail establishments, Target, Neiman Marcus, and, and uh, allegedly others, actually we may not know yet all of the retail establishments that were victims of this malware, is that these retail companies were in fact victims, that, that this was criminal activity going on. Um, and it's difficult to categorize data breaches as one big category, one big set of, of a single thing. Data breaches come in many shapes and forms. Um, comparing, for example, the target breach to a company that loses a laptop that happens to have a database on it, those are qualitatively different things. And so I think organizations today from an information security perspective, need to be recognizing not just the risks that they are under, but the inevitability of some of these types of breaches. The likelihood that a laptop is lost or a flash drive with a database on it is lost or that a printout of, um, of sensitive data uh, gets mailed to the wrong address, all of those qualify as data breaches and all of them uh, can have real privacy consequences for an organization. So for most organizations, for really all organizations, I think we would say um, you need to be preparing not for the possibility but for the eventuality of a, of a breach. It will happen to you and you should be prepared for it. The other thing is, is that it is not just an information security question. Uh, data breaches go far beyond just the uh, technical and control measures you have in place to protect the data, and they really speak to the relationship that you have with the customer. And that's the area where privacy professionals have a great deal of experience and knowledge. So making sure that it is a cross-functional plan that you put in place where not only uh, the InfoSec team but also the privacy team and others um, uh, are participating in how you respond. I guess the good news out of everything that we've seen with these retail breaches and what we see in the marketplace today is that more and more organizations are recognizing the need to create a, a real risk plan, a real data breach response plan, um, and, and uh, expecting that they will need to use it at some point. Trevor, another topic. We're in the age of big data. We now have great power. We can collect data. We can analyze it. We can chop it up any way that we like. How must we now exhibit even greater responsibility over this data? So it's a fantastic question. I think it's one of the most critical questions that we have. Um, we talk about big data all the time, and we talk about um, 
data as the new oil. It's almost cliche now to say that data is the new oil. It's, it's uh, I'm sure, a drinking game at some conference somewhere that every speaker who says that, everyone then has to drink. Um, data is uh, of enormous value, and we are creating more and more of it. And the advent of big data, the ability for um, what Victor Meyer Schoenberger and Kenneth Kukie call algorithmists to uh, analyze that data and extract greater and greater value from it is really, really powerful as we look into the years ahead. But it comes with a cost. Um, if indeed data is the new oil, well, there is a byproduct of that in the industrial era. That byproduct was pollution in the big data era. That byproduct is concerns associated with privacy. And so as we look ahead to this new technology, I think what we need to be doing is trying to figure out how do we allow data to do the most powerful things for us while still protecting us? How do we balance concerns associated with privacy and recognize where harms or concerns may arise, resolve those appropriately, and yet still extract enormous value from this brave new world. That's a tough balance. That's a really tough balance. And I guess it's good and bad news. The, the bad news part of it is that there's no single answer to this. There is no single silver bullet. There's no law, no technology, um, no really smart person who's going to write a white paper that's going to answer the challenge as to how we resolve privacy and big data. But the good news is, is that that multifaceted dynamic risk environment is something that we are getting better and better at understanding and assessing. It needs to be understood and assessed day by day, minute by minute for every data use that you have. But privacy professionals, information security professionals, IT professionals, HR professionals, financial services professionals, they are all embracing better privacy knowledge so they can do those risk assessments. So what does all of this mean? Well, I think it means that InfoSec and IT pros, anyone who touches data in a significant way, has to know enough about privacy so that they don't make stupid decisions in this big data world. Trevor, I'd like to talk with you about legislation, in particular the EU's General Data Protection Regulation. What do you see as the potential impact of that if, in fact, it's enacted? The last part of your question is the most important part, I think, right now, and that is the uh, if, in fact, it is enacted. And I think that is a very real question. Six months ago, we might have said that it had a 60 or 70 percent chance of, of being enacted or promulgated as a regulation in Europe. There has been some really strong political activity in the past three or four months. And the prognosis on this patient um, is probably less favorable than it was um, uh, just a few months ago. Uh, and I think many would say that it has far less than a 50-50 chance, and some would even say that it has no chance of being promulgated. So we need to watch that political process and be very aware of the likelihood of, of it passing or not passing. If it passes, it will represent perhaps the most major legislative enactment in the field of privacy in the past 20 years. It will have an effect not just in Europe, it will have an effect all around the world because of data transfer restrictions that exist in Europe. Without question, it will set a high watermark 
with regards to many, many concepts in the field of privacy, including ideas like the right to be forgotten. And so uh, any organization that is not um, paying attention to the proposed EU reg should absolutely be assessing um, those provisions and uh, thinking about what they mean to their organization. But there's also the possibility that it doesn't pass. And if the EU proposed reg on data protection does not pass, we are left with existing law. And existing law is the EU Data Protection Directive, which was passed in 1995. Now, the notable thing about 1995 is that it was really the first year, or the first couple of years of the broad consumer internet and web. And so the 1995 directive was written, designed, the framework was put in place at a time when they could not conceptualize the web. They did not have smartphones. Geolocation was really not even a reality at that point. And certainly ideas like the Internet of Things and big data were so far away that no one writing any of those laws could have any indication as to how to address those things. So in 1995, the Data Protection Directive uh, sort of emerged and was almost immediately dated. And so we need to be concerned about the data protection regulation not passing because that leaves us with a 1995 law which really does not fully reflect the reality in which we find ourselves today and will, I think, only show, show more friction in years ahead as it gets further and further behind that bleeding edge of technology that I've described. Trevor, what's the future for privacy legislation in the U.S., in your opinion, of course? We continue to see uh, significant calls for privacy legislation. For decades now, advocates have been calling for broad-based privacy legislation. Increasingly, there are um, even uh, industry voices calling for broad-based privacy legislation. And I think we're starting to see, even from the White House currently, a, a gradual um, a softening to the idea that broad-based privacy legislation in the United States is a good thing. Um, this is against a backdrop of what we would call sectoral or targeted legislation in the United States today. However, however, there really is not a lot of political will on Capitol Hill to achieve broad-based privacy legislation. And driving that type of consensus, I think, uh, would require an enormous amount of political capital. Um, and it's just not clear whether any one party or individual is willing to invest that type of, uh, uh, that type of political capital into privacy legislation. Or alternatively, um, many have said that it would require a privacy violation of such an egregious nature that Congress felt forced to act. And on that front, I think it's really tough to imagine uh, a privacy story any bigger than the NSA Snowden story or a data breach any bigger than the one that we've recently seen with Target and other retailers. Um, and so I, I actually discount that, that other possible trigger for privacy legislation, that idea that an Exxon Valdez moment of privacy where um, uh, you know, the, the, the data ship uh, <laughs> crashes on the rocks and, and has data spilling all over the place and it results in more restrictive privacy legislation. We've seen those type of facts 
patterns, and it has not resulted in more privacy legislation yet. Earlier you talked about the relationship between security and privacy professionals. How must security professionals approach privacy differently in 2014 than they have in years past? This is perhaps the biggest message that um, that I have that I think the, the, the world has for information security professionals today, and that is privacy is going to be a major disruptive force in your field from this point forward. It's already been a disruptive force. The NSA and Snowden stories, the reality of, of data breaches crossing the information security field into the information privacy field, really the advent of new risks that information security professionals need to understand means that information security professionals must, simply must, have broad-based issue spotting skills in the field of privacy in order to do their jobs in the future. I think for those who are looking forward and thinking proactively about this, it is a very good career move to make sure that you understand privacy today. For those who embrace it early, I think they will find that their upward mobility, their value to their employers is that much higher. For those who don't embrace it today, um, my suggestion to you would be that within the next few years, two years, three years, five years, your employer is going to be demanding it of you that very soon broad-based privacy knowledge for anyone who touches data in a significant way or protects data in a significant way, broad-based privacy knowledge is going to be a requisite. So the big message for info security professionals is that privacy is a part of your job now and it's going to continue to disrupt those things that you do on a daily basis. So there is no time like today to make sure that you understand it very clearly and can spot issues and, and address them appropriately or elevate them appropriately within your organization. Let's talk about privacy professionals now. What do you see as the new top career opportunities for privacy pros, and how can they best prepare for them? Uh, the good news is that uh, privacy is creating many, many career opportunities. To give you a sense of that, just last year the IAPP added um, 3,000 new members. Um, and those are new privacy professionals. We see um, really dozens, if not hundreds, of job postings on our job boards and around the world um, every single week and month. Um, so there are many, many opportunities for privacy professionals popping up all over the place. I think that the best compensated, the most upwardly mobile privacy professionals are going to be those who can translate legal and compliance standards, risk assessments within an organization, and IT and InfoSec environments seamlessly or fluently. Um, being able to jump between those areas of the organization and have things make sense for all of those constituencies within an organization are skills that are hard to find in the marketplace today. There are lots of InfoSec professionals, there are lots of IT professionals, there are lots of lawyers and compliance professionals. There are not many who understand the domains of privacy and technology and information security and can bring all of those things together in a cohesive whole. So my sense is that we will see lots and lots and lots of job opportunities emerge in the years ahead and that there will be increasing price pressure 
elevating the salaries of those who bring together those various domains in a really powerful way. That's a strategic career move for someone. And so if you're in any one of those domains, privacy, law and compliance, IT, or InfoSec, um, driving your knowledge out to those other domains is a really, really good career move. Trevor, always a pleasure to talk with you. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thanks, Tom. It was fun. We've been talking about the state of privacy for 2014. I've been speaking with Trevor Hughes, President and CEO of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.